Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. everybody welcome to that's not metal uh, powered by nobody <laughs> <laughs> false rabbit there <laughs> nearly went into that diatribe but yeah we're not powered by the might and will of three metalheads uh yeah i'm bees he's ryan he's perrin hayish chaotic, chaotic start <laughs> sorry everyone <laughs> how's your week been Oh, sorry. Have I gone? Have I gone missing? You both froze for me there for a second. I didn't know who. Okay, how's you? Didn't know if anyone was talking. So I can put it in. <laughs> how's your week been? It's been fairly uneventful, really. Um, yeah, literally, I've done <laughs> fuck all. Like, help me out nothing. here, I, Ryan. I, make sorry, something up. I live up, a I... life. Um, <laughs> Ryan, make something up. I heard that you were riding llamas. Yeah, I fell off. As is tradition with me trying to do anything, apparently. Yes. So, the thing is, it's actually convincing. Um, that could be true. How Have you done anything this week? Uh, hung out with you lot last night, talking about stuff that isn't metal. Um, no, basically. To be discussed no, later on. Yeah, that's the most interesting part of my week, really. The fact that uh, a certain album caused a lot of debate called a full-blown ruckus but we'll talk <laughs> about that a little bit later on okay reviews this week come from the menzingers gate creeper and the darkness uh, an album club uh, is on one of the most unfairly maligned records of the past decade as it actually celebrates its 10-year anniversary this week and that album is AFI's Crash Love, but there is a lot to get through, so let's crack on straight away. News. Um, big news happened last Friday, just after we had uh, released last week's podcast, that Metallica have uh, cancelled, ca- rescheduled. Um, it's a bit unclear at the moment, given uh, that uh, James Hetfield has gone back into rehab for, um, for what we don't know. Um... But there was, I I just wanted to kind of say that I really understand uh, from the part of view of our Australian friends. I know we've got a lot of listeners in that part of the world and touring there is a nightmare. I know that like when bands come to you, it's a really big deal because Australia is not first, second or third on a band's touring schedule usually. Um, But this is... This news really took me back. Mm. Um, yeah. I did not expect that we would ever be back here again. And the 
overwhelming level of support from everyone for James Hetfield is brilliant. I, lo- I love that the metal community understand that and understand that when you've seen some kind of monster and what it did to James Hetfield and what he went through on a personal level, it's always. I think that I like to think that means that you can see this with bigger picture in mind and that this is a real bloke with family and friends and yeah uh an absolute uh, real shame that that this has happened um what was your takeaway from this news coming late on friday yeah i so i watched um some kind of monster pretty recently as i mentioned before and i you know watching that it felt so in the past was the thing it didn't you know it didn't seem like something that was bubbling under the surface or anything metallica seemed one of the most level-headed bands in the world right now um so that's it it's the, it's the stability isn't it the fact that yeah some kind of monster and some angrier in general is a, a, a document of a band really really falling apart at the seams and since then they've been that felt like a real you know discovering themselves again and a turning point for becoming you know they haven't had a lineup change since then anything like that um so for me you know considering my entire time of being into metallica is it, post that period um i agree it, it for me like it, i didn't expect this to happen again and i guess it's just you know a um a reminder that as much as someone might seem that they are better that they they've gotten through these things before um there's always a part of it's that there and it, it can always kind of um, sneak up on you and that is just a, a, a part of the illness I think as well uh, it is a measure of the man and the band that this wasn't something that they tried to sweep under the carpet either yeah um, to, to, cut, to, to not kind of okay we won't announce this we'll just put it down to something else and let him do it privately to come out publicly with it um, is a measure of James Hetfield. I think the courage that that involves is quite something. And um, yeah, all of our thoughts and well wishes that Metallica can get themselves back on the road and hopefully back to Australia uh, as soon as is possible. Uh, for our Australian listeners, it looks as though Slipknot are working on trying to make something happen because um, they were due to be the support on that show. So... There we go. That news came out. In more um, happy news, Bloodstock have announced its first wave of lineup and the first headliner, Devin Townsend, who's going to be playing bits from everything from Strapping Young Lad to his latest record, Empath. Um, so, what's your take on Devin Townsend as a headliner, Perrin? I'm fucking elated about this. Um, my like, my wish list of headliners for this year at Bloodstock was Devin Townsend merciful fate and then either behemoth or a monomath um the fact that devin townsend is doing it i think is brilliant it's the first time he's headlined a uk festival period which is very very cool that he can you know come and do that at this stage in his career this particular time i think is perfect for it because of you know what you're just saying about he is going to be drawing or you know he said that he's going to be going back to doing stuff like strap a young lad again he's been saying that he's really fallen in love with heavy music again which is fucking wicked. It's, it's perfect for that festival, of course, isn't it? But it's not just that. It's the fact that you've got Empath as well, which is uh, still one of my favourite albums of this year. It's like an absolutely mammoth 
kind of uh, moment in his discography i think so the fact that this is the point in time where he's where he's been able to do it when obviously he's always got that catalog to draw from but he's going to be reaching into areas that are right for it and he's touring an incredibly exciting album um in in the present uh he's going to be pulling out all the stops right i imagine in terms of whatever production that he can fancy you know think maybe i don't know whether it'll be retinal circus level of fucking insane but yeah like he's, he's going to be doing something so i am very very stoked yeah i've got to say as well one of the things that is brilliant about being a devin townsend fan and a fan of so much of the stuff that he's done um is that life is always interesting you know, yeah. all of a sudden he's like, right, well, this is what I'm feeling at the minute. I'm feeling heavier music. Headlining Bloodstock only cements that fact. Um, and so there we go. That's what he's going to be doing next. Um, um, also, uh, th- he came, he toured out here, uh, but he was doing an acoustic thing supporting Avatar. And I'm dying to see how he replicates empath live yeah like it's gonna be so balmy and i'm so here for it um so also on the lineup skin dread violence that's uh phil demmel's band glory hammer sacred reich ginger butcher babies the black dahlia murder and dark tranquility what's your take on that as a as a first wave of bands uh that's decent a few of those were announced during yeah. uh i think the festival this year they announced a few of those yeah. on site at the time um it, it's decent like there's a few in there that have me excited the black dahlia murder obviously i don't think they've done it in a few years they're one that i've been there'll want- be a new record by then as well because they've been in the studio yeah recently. definitely um but they're one that i've been wanting to come back for a little while so that's exciting uh dark Tranqu- uh, tranquility is great um i i'm very curious to see violence considering that's you know something that hasn't been available for a good old while so yeah like uh, there's there's enough in there there's enough in there as well as the headliner obviously to uh have me have me very interested under the radar as well um i don't know if this is going on back in the uk but certainly out here ginger are yeah. a really gr- a really growing presence um there's a lot of excitement and um that band are picking up an awful lot of fans so yeah. i think that's quite that's quite a canny booking it is from bloodstock by the middle of next year that could be a much bigger deal than it looks currently yeah maybe i, re- I remember i think they played download this year and i remember them getting quite a bit of uh buzz at the time or if it wasn't download this year it was the year before but recently anyway um i'm not quite on board with ginger just yet i, I think they're fine mm. um but you know i'm curious to see I, the, the buzz is obvious like they were one of the bands where when this lineup was announced aside from you know headliner obviously ginger were the band i think i saw the most kind of comments about so curious wow interesting i did I, that that's good to know um yeah I, i'm not overly into it myself but i will uh I'm, i i will keep a close eye on them and what's going on um so machine head god there's so much big news this week this is um of an have announced their new lineup. It's uh, Vog Kieltia. Oh, I can't say surname. Just What's, Vog. <laughs> yeah, just Vog is Vog what he's known as anyway. Name, yeah. um, from Decapitated and Matt Alston from Devilment are going to be replacing Phil Demmel and uh, Dave McLean. So, obviously, I refer to you on Vog from Decapitated. What do you see as a correlation between what he's done in the past and joining Machine Head? Is this a good fit? 
Um, I, I think it very much can be, especially when you consider where Decapitated have gone in the last 10 years in terms of making way groovier, um, quite, you know, without losing any of the heaviness, quite accessible for your everyday metal fan. Like, if yeah. my favourite Decapitated records are the first two, but if I'm going to just, you know, show anyone who likes metal a Decapitated record, I will throw them anti-cult. Um, yeah, the, the, the bizarre thing is because of all of the the charges that they were put under yeah. kind of buried that last record well remember when we reviewed that last album being like wow this is fucking if you like lamb of god but you like say you got into metal through the likes of lamb of god this is a next step if you want that with a little bit extra heavy yeah it's, it's an amazing record it really is yeah um, really great they, you know all their records are great but that was of, of their kind of the sound that they've been moving towards that was like a, a, a step up in terms of really fucking nailing it it's got you know the it's groovy it's heavy it's got the kind of darkness and intensity of something like burn my eyes era machine head so you know i considering decapitated is like vogue's baby essentially he i can't see him ever leaving that band i was curious to see him join another band who are as big as, as machine head and presumably still be doing decapitated but yeah also the drummer as well as being in devilment he's been in a UK black metal band called Eastern Front for fucking ages. And the fact that the drummer from this tiny little UK black metal band is in Machine Head was like, what? All right. So, like, both of these picks, he's gone for people very much rooted in the extreme metal world, which is yeah. a, a first for Machine Head. It it's definitely has me interested about what material uh, ends up sounding like, especially you know, if you've got Vogue in the creative process. I don't know how kind of uh, integrated it would be considering... You know, it is Rob's band, but um, yeah, like it opens it up it, for more intense sounds. I mean, it definitely makes it seem like catharsis is not going to be the way forward. Yeah, like, like um, when they first had an album that had adverse reaction, like uh, the Burning Red, um, they weren't deterred from that and did Supercharger as well, which is in that same kind of vein. Um, yet uh, this certainly seems like they've taken on board that people were not into the direction taken on the last record, which I still think is all right, as do you, didn't you? I like it an awful lot. I think I like it more than yeah. you. I think it's a really, really good record. Um, the, the difference, obviously, is after the Burning Red, the entire band didn't collapse. Um, I feel like the way Machine Head's lineup change happened with you know rob coming out and being like yeah i fucked up i perhaps imposed a level of control over this band and didn't yeah. treat people as as equals and that's what's led to this you know who's very self kind of um yeah uh, you know, owning up to it in that sense and i think that as well as changing how he runs a band potentially that might also bleed over into the creative process it might make him look differently at the last thing he's, he's just recorded prior to that um yeah yeah, so there you go. Um, in other news, just rolling around, I do like, I can't do it, Ryan, but the fact that you've put Ghoul Watch for Creeper <laughs> coming back is superb. Um, but yeah, it looks as though Creeper are going to be playing their first show um, for exactly one calendar year because they, um, they split up. Because it's spontaneous, isn't it? It's not been planned at all. On November the 1st, I couldn't possibly say. Um, <laughs> but 
it's uh, the show is called Fugitives of Heaven. It features a new lightning bolt based logo. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks in the world of Creeper. If you've been watching the individual members' Instagram stories, you'll have seen that there's a whole bunch of um, interesting alien related shenanigans going on. Um, yeah, I've got to move on just in case I slip up and say something. Um, Kiss are playing the first ever live show for Great <laughs> White Sharks. What is this, Apparently, a concert for sharks? I yes. I just, oh yes, it God. is. Apparently, they'll be putting speakers under the water, which when they're playing the low rumble of rock music through the water will apparently attract and entertain the sharks. It sounds I like think... a South Park bit or something, where where like <laughs> they they do it and sharks appear and it all goes wrong and Kiss get eaten. It sounds like when in the first ever episode of I'm Alan Partridge, Partridge is considering loads of different concepts for television shows, <laughs> including monkey tennis, um, <laughs> they're cooking in prison. Very much could be shows sharks in 2019 mosh. as well. Um, well, they're quite angry, aren't they? Circle Pit would be quite fun. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't know. Have I you watched the this. video? That... I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't it's even so know bizarre. there was it one. Just Go this on. Australian man talking about how it's time for the humans to entertain the sharks. It's so fucking <laughs> bizarre. Um, like, I was sure that this was fucking... I'm sure that's Kiss's motivation and not a yeah. big fucking you, you can, sack load of money. Is you it, can buy tickets for this. Wouldn't it? it, I, think it I think it was like $60 or something. I'm not, not sure. What, to hear Kiss play underwater? Well, it, it's to go in like a shark cage and, and watch the shark concert. Fuck that. For 60 bucks, that seems pretty reasonable. I thought that as well. I don't know if I read that wrong. I, I may have. Don't quote me Is on it that, in you LA? Can, you no, can definitely... No, it's, it's, it's in, in the Australia. It's in the Ocean, I think, somewhere. But... No. I was about to say, if that is by me, I am fucking <laughs> in on that. Isn't it funny, though, that uh, this farewell tour managed to include a show for sharks? <laughs> like, <ocean>. what? Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to well, go until they've played for every creature of the land. It's going to be like Noah... Like <laughs> saving two of every every animal in his ark, except Kiss will go around and be like, "Here's the show for the crabs. Here's the one for the kangaroos. Moon Here's next. the one for the macaques." Let's go. Uh, can we move on? This is fucking <laughs> stupid. Um, so uh, next up in the news, Cattle Decapitation have released "Bring Back the Plague" from their new album Death Atlas that is out on November 29th. Perrin, happy. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. This is the second track that they've released. Um, both of them have been outstanding. Um, when they released the first song um, and I saw the track list, I was particularly excited to hear a song called Bring Back the Plague because <laughs> that is a wonderfully blunt sentiment, isn't it? Any number of death metal bands might wrap that in some level of kind of metaphor or wordiness, whereas Cattle Decap, just bring back the fucking plague. It's very Dwight Schrute. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, like the, the track is insane in terms of like the the turns between death metal and black metal are more seamless and kind of integrated than ever the fuck like travis's vocals he is becoming more and more distinct as time goes on which is a fucking feat for someone who has always been distinct um yeah it's an incredible track 
Um, Bring Me The Horizon have a new song on the upcoming Hideo Kojima uh, game. He's the bloke who created Metal Gear Solid, apparently. Death Stranding is the name of the game. Uh, Ryan, presumably this is a big deal. Yeah, the game. The game's massive. Like It's his first thing since not working for um, Konami. It's Nerds will care a lot about that game. Um, and isn't Shadow Moses a Metal Gear Solid re- uh, reference, or have I made that up? It could be. I feel like there was definitely a. I I know that there was a Bring Me Metal Gear reference at some point. I don't know if it was Shadow Moses though. It is. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. It is a reference to Shadow Moses Island from Metal Gear Solid Four. Didn't you? Some, something that I just remembered I and definitely two, didn't so. Google in that couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, Burton C. Bell had said last year that there was no Fear Factory music that was done and delivered to the label, just waiting on some legal technicalities, and Dino Cazares has totally denied that. Uh, and Gojira are back in the studio Saving the best news for last. Um, our thoughts go out to Will from Black Peaks. Ah, oh, such shit news. Um, they've been forced to postpone their upcoming UK and European tour because Will's had to undergo emergency surgery after a recurrence of the illness he's been struggling with this year flared up. Um, yeah, so get well soon mate that's not metal.net is the place to go and get our premium specials five pounds a month or 25 pounds a year gets you access to every single tnm premium special we've ever recorded including in-depth features on uh, bands and scenes and all kinds of stuff and this week we did seriously that's not metal where we was talking about albums a bunch of albums from this decade that uh, are absolutely not metal including billy eilish kanye west kendrick lamar david bowie um and let's get to it shall we carly ray jepson where <laughs> It caused an almighty <laughs> Royal Rumble-style argument about pop music that is worth the fee alone. Get involved with it. Um, we'll talk about it more next week once you've actually heard it. So, yeah, and we'll reveal what our next special is as well next Friday. Questions, as always, come from the That's Not Metal focus group. Get involved with us. There's nearly a 1,000 of us in there talking about rock and metal all week long. It is always a good time. First question comes from Dan Wilson Stone, who says, if you could take an album and go to the band Not Good Enough, do it again, what album would you choose? Um, Very easy answer for me, this one. Because it's really easy to forget just how big Bullet for My Valentine were pre-Temper oh, Temper. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, I saw them headline a sold-out Wembley Arena with Bring Me the Horizon as their support band, right? That That is where Bullet for My Valentine were. Unquestionably, the biggest heavy band... Yeah, all right, heavy, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, the biggest band of that ilk since Def Leppard. It's right? a really massive accolade when you consider how big that stretch of time is. Um, and Temper Temper uh, derailed that band more than I can think of any band that have been de- derailed by a single record. Um, and they've released some all right stuff since. I really liked Venom. Yeah. But, like, uh, 
it didn't make a difference because temper temper totally derailed them and i think that if you could go back in time and go look if you need another six months to get something better together like that band at that time 100 percent needed someone to listen to that and go oh dear and the thing is as someone that was a a fan of those first three records when temper temper the video got sent to me before it was released when i was in charge of scars i, I was gobsmacked that that was <laughs> the title track and the first song from the album I mean, it might be the best song on and the album i could tell you yeah i agree uh, i could tell you that um like i've 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 interviewed matt a whole bunch over the years i think he's a really good guy um but he, self-confidence is not something he lacks and when uh, he was like have you heard the record yet and i was like no i have not um they, they just sent it out this morning i haven't listened to it yet his answer was um he was like yeah cool there's some interesting stuff on there and my alarm bells went fucking mad <laughs> i was like that is not the matt tuck that i know like speaking to him before fever came out and he was like this is awesome like yeah there you go that was easily my answer temper temper by bullet for my valentine yeah um i don't know if i'd actually say anything at all but i would go to tennessee and break every single ukulele in that state and just lock Paramore back in a room and have them redo the self-titled. Um, I think that record's quite good, but it's the one that I skip whenever I'm on a Paramore binge. Um, and there is so much editing that could have been done to that record, especially with those ukulele um, fucking divergences. I, I would... Yeah, that, that, that one to fix the discography, pretty odd I would like them to rethink as well, but I've, I've ragged on that enough at this point. Yeah, I I love the self-titled Paramore record. I think you're right in that there could be a bit of editing, but to make them redo the entire record when most of it is fucking brilliant, I think, would be a bit harsh. I'd like look at a, something like Nine by Blink-182. Just have them redo that. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe Danger Days by uh, My Chemical Romance is another one. And I think another one that I would definitely do is I would just prod in flames until they make another Come Clarity. Because that is like that is a band who may well be able to do something good. They've proven that they can do things that are good, you know, in their kind of current guise of being a band. But they just need someone to fucking go, okay, stop fucking about. You are much, much better than this in Flames. Oh, mate, like, in Flames could delete the last 10 years of their career easily. <laughs> um so yeah good answer though mate uh next question good question as well um next question comes from uh oisin collie sorry if i've said your name wrong mate um if there was a tv show based on each of your lives what song would be its theme song and what would it be called mine would be called curb your enthusiasm and its theme music would go <laughs> now uh you guys go first um i'd want it to be came out swinging both as a title and the one Year song to soundtrack it but more realistically it'd be probably one of the early green day songs about smoking weed and wanking all day and it would just be called Ugh. <laughs> 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 i'm shit at titles so fuck knows on that one i'd probably like <laughs> I've kissed the go-go. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> what sort of show is this? I don't know, one that's spooky and ridiculous. 
like a sexy David Attenborough show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think mine would be called Again. Um, and I'd have uh, theme music, maybe Again by Alice in Chains. Uh, so, yeah, good question, though, man. Uh, Simon Thomas uh, is the final question this week. He says, if you could go back and tell your younger self, seriously, though, check out this band, you'll think you s- you'll thank yourself later, who would it be? I only listened to Faith No More for the first time last year, and I'm 35, 34 wasted years, Simon. <laughs> well, you, listen- you were listening to Faith No More when you were one, were you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> True cult. <laughs> Yeah, like sitting there with fucking We Care A Lot on cassette. Um, <laughs> this is, like, obviously, I will probably have a much better answer for this in 10 years' time. I'm like, I'm mm. sure in the future something like this will happen. In re- who, could you, who could you have seen when you were younger that you would have wanted to see? Oh, God knows. I was going to say, like, the answer for this I have um, so far is uh, I own, like, to link it back to an album club we did a few weeks ago, I only really got into The Cure a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, and I feel like I should have done that, you know, early teens at latest. Like, there's a lot of time there that I could have spent listening to The Cure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always think Weezer on this one. It was the one that everyone was <laughs> going on at me about for the longest time. I would have liked to. By everyone, he means me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish it was just you, man. Like, I left you and just heard another chorus of voices banging on about Weezer. Um, but like, it would have been nice to have like properly appreciated that Blue Album show instead of that being my first exposure to Weezer. Um, but also, say, but also saying that, like, getting into him when I did basically meant that the White Album was the first record that came out while I gave a fuck, which will do given the previous what decade um but i think and i think because of that mastodon maybe i would if i could have gotten into metal earlier it would have opened up a lot more like potential stuff that i would have liked um and yeah i think that i definitely came to that super late and i always feel like i'm playing catch up especially when i'm on a show with you two every week (laughs) the easy answer for me is life of agony um that is a band that i don't know how passed me by Mm. like everything that they do and sound like is so up my alley like it music influenced by the likes of danzig and typo and that kind of goth tinged thing uh obviously and the guitar tone is absolutely to die for um I definitely should have spent all of my years listening to Life of Agony yeah. and going to see them live. That might be one that I will have at some point um, because I quite like a couple of Life of Agony songs, but oh. I've never been like mad about a record. And I know, like, with the links they have to bands who I really do love, maybe in some uh, like however many years' time, I will listen to a record and go, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, that's that's really su- that's really surprising. That you're not. I, I quite like them. That, that you've tried, yeah. Yeah, I quite like them, but like, what I'm saying is maybe at some point the penny will drop and I will fall in love with them. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, so there we go. Good questions for everyone. Join us in the That's Not Metal Focus group. The questions are asked by you guys every Thursday, and join us at Not Metal Pod on Instagram and Twitter. So, album reviews, and first up 
It's the Mighty Menzingers with their new album, Hello Exile, one of this podcast's most favourite bands returning with an album whose first two singles are amongst the best things that they've done, and that really says something. Um, So, um, let's go first. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Rented World. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you have On the Impossible Past, Stone Cloud Classic, Rented World, very good record with some brilliant songs on it can you see where i'm going with this uh after the party absolute classic i'm gonna now defer to our menzingers expert ryan defratus and ask hello exile how are you feeling about it because i haven't asked you that question (coughs) since i had this record which was a good right must be about six weeks ago now yeah um i really really like this it's interesting that you that you went there um, with the uh, with the rented world thing because I think this is so much more consistent than rented world. I um, personally think I might find this a more consistent record than after the party, um, and I think that that is largely down to how much I am in love with Greg Barnett as a songwriter because um, this is the first record where he has got he has got the overwhelming majority of songs. I think nine out of twelve are his. Um, and you know, that is everything I want from a Menzingers record. Like, there there is something happening with the Menzingers now where I I have to say off the bat is that it's the least excited I've been after first listen of a new of a new Menzingers record, and I think it's just because I knew exactly what was coming. Um, there's not there's not a whole lot of new on this record, and I was especially a bit like, oh, there's a lot of songs about getting older again. And I kind of felt like that had been pushed out of their system on after the party, an entire record about it. Um, especially after, because America, America, You're Freaking Me Out was a change for, for the Menzingers, especially for Greg for Greg's songwriting, because it's this huge American song, American rock song, that struggles with its own Americanness. And it's it was an interesting um, turn to hear Greg singing about the world around him rather than kind of the world in his head. And you know, yeah. and I was kind of, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that. I, I don't need the Menzingers to be a political band whatsoever. Um, you get but, Strawberry Mansion later on, which is Tom's climate change song, and that's about kind of the other moment that goes for it. Yeah, and like, and Tom's done it throughout their career. Like, <clears throat> they were a much more political band, and they they kind of have shaved that off over the years. Um, but, but yeah, I was kind of hoping more from that from Greg's side because it's just something that we haven't really heard. You know, like on every record we've spoken about, um, Tom has got at least one political leaning song. Um, mm. So so yeah, I I love this record, but I'm a little bit underwhelmed at the same time. If that makes okay, if that makes any sense at all. So I think it's consistently. Yeah, so the Menzingers just the Menzingers just being the Menzingers. Is that getting stale for you? I think I blame Spanish love songs for it because interesting because that that's a band who they kind of came along and felt like they had nailed what the Menzingers do while nailing what the Wonderers do, and that it it just was a bit of a shot in the arm for that kind of songwriting. And um, other than maybe five songs on this, I like the couple of new Spanish love songs uh, tracks that we've had since the record more. 
than a lot of the stuff that, than, than a lot of the stuff that's on on here and it's going for the same big fucking Amer- americana radio sound um so i think yeah. that so i think it's it's so weird because i like almost every song on this record but i just feel a bit differently about it than i did after the party and i can't quite put my finger on it i tell you what right i, I think that when you have uh, an album like after the party which is one of my most listened to albums of the last couple of years yeah. like an album that is even by a it's even by a world class band's world class standards it's on on a massive plane to the point where you always felt like on the impossible past would be the definitive um, men singers record yeah and yet it feels like after the party is now it's at least pushing it close um, yeah yeah so um yeah i i uh i think that i agree with my first listen as well i was like oh, i expected more yeah from this and yet the more i've listened to it to like and i was coming on here today with the kind of yeah i think this is all right with some outstanding moments and then i listened to it again today with that in mind and i liked it a lot more yeah it's almost so almost like you have to lower the expectations to get the most out of it but even that is not a is that's not a praising sentiment is yeah it? i mean it sort of is because i mean this record is a grower like it's absolutely grown on me yeah. and um melodically there are so many fucking great hooks on this but you know it's it's kind of the thing that you come to expect um I know the Menzingers are this good, you know? The fi- the, dif- the difference is, I think, is that going from Rented World to After the Party felt like a huge step up in both sound and what they were doing and quality like ac- across the entire record. Um, and and this just... I don't know, I was I was more... Oh, shit, this is what the Menzingers do- are doing now about After the Party than I was about this at, like, at any point. But that said, I mean... I've got about eight of the 12 songs, I think, noted out as some of my favourite Menzinger songs, so I can't really complain either. Perrin, what are you feeling about this record then? I'm surprised. Like I was expecting to come into this um, and have the two of you just be heart eyes everywhere because that's what <laughs> you two are like with the Menzingers. Um, yeah. And I, I really love the Menzingers, but not to the extent that, that you two do. Um, I think this record is really excellent. Uh, it, I agree. It is not as good as After the Party. It is not as good as On the Impossible Past. Um, not sure about Rented World. I think Rented World probably there's probably nothing on good like uh, nothing on this that I like quite as much as I don't want to be an asshole anymore. Mm, but as a yeah. record track to or track, or in remission. Um, uh, maybe the first two tracks on this push in remission a little bit. Um, mm. But as a like a consistent record, I think it's really really good. Um, I we've pretty much had the exact same experience where like i've listened to it twice today after listening to it however many times in the previous weeks um and my two listens today are the most i've enjoyed it where yeah, yeah. like yeah like yesterday i thought yeah like it, it's good but maybe not what i would expect from the men's singers and putting it on today twice i was like fuck i love this which i think is testament to because it is um it's nowhere near as explosive a record as they have been in the past because it is it's you know the last record opened with them saying where we're going to go now that our 20s are over and the re- answer is our most middle-aged record to date like <laughs> it is 
way more um, mid-paced, way more of the Americana and less of the punk. It's like, you know, they surely are one record away from the Springsteen sax solo. It is really, <laughs> really getting there. And I, it's interesting that um, I know you, Ryan, are, like you said, you're an absolute sucker for Greg Barnett. Yeah. And obviously he's brilliant. Yeah. I, I, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. I think that with this record being a slower record, a more mid-paced record, a more kind of somber record, I think. It, you, know, mm. you don't get those intense explosions of like, fuck, this is like everything the way yeah. you do, like as often as you do on After the Party or in the Impossible Past. Um, because of that, I'm, it maybe sounded a little bit more homogenous to me on my first couple of listens. And, and we've mm. spoken before about the Menzingers formula, about how a lot of their tracks do basically the same thing about the same yeah. thing. And because of this record being more low-key... And because it is so skewed towards one of their front men rather than evenly between the two of them, um, I found the formula to be more obvious, I think. The mm. formulaic nature of the songwriting <clears throat> um, stood out to me more on this. And maybe I would like a couple more Tom songs to kind of even it out and add that little bit more fire into it because he is generally the more angry and intense of the two singers, whereas Greg yeah. does a lot more of those like super like you know nostalgic type songs. Um, so that's where I was at on my first few listens. I still think those things are true if you're going to compare it to after the after the party or their best moments or whatever. But with the the very nature of those more low key restrained records, um, is they tend to be growers. You know, we had this conversation about the latest Frank Carter record earlier in the year and how that's a record that shows him kind of doing more of that side of him and. As a result, it's one that gives more on repeat listens rather than immediately going, ah, his juggernaut, his lullaby, whatever. Um, the more I've listened to this, while I think those things are true, and yes, like the formula is there, they're fucking brilliant at it, aren't they? Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. Like, yeah. After this- saying everything I said about ACDC last week, it would be mad to, <laughs> to go in and uh, like be down on the men singers for quote-unquote doing the Menzingers thing um, because I, I, I'm i with you on the if it ain't broke don't fix it um, I think that with regards to what we're saying about it being a more Greg friendly record it actually reminds me a bit of the Jimmy Eat World situation okay. which is yeah. back, in the da- back in the day like um, you had Tom Linton used to do a couple of songs on Jimmy Eat World mm. records until it was like we don't need this Jim Atkins can do all of this anyway and that's kind of how I feel about Greg I've got no problem with there being um, less Tom songs what is a little bit of a problem on this record and um, it's the first time we've ever said anything negative about Will Yip but um, the production on this record Mm. Um, while I think it lends itself to the slower moments like Farewell Youth is brilliant Um, I think when the pace ups Greg's vocals feel like they were recorded a room away Mm. like he sounds really distant in the mix it's really bizarre just just a a bizarre choice um, and when the pace ups, when you've got something like London Drugs, it is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, like, it could do with a bit more of that um, razor-sharp production style that was on 
after the party, which felt so full of life. It I generally feel like feels like a bit of a less distorted record, doesn't it? Well, it just feels a bit... Um, I think the production kind of makes this record sound a little bit ploddier than it actually is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> what? I said, sorry, mate. I could tell how much that hurt you to be going... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it do- it does hurt, but um but I'm I'm kind of with you. I would really like Greg's vocal to be a bit closer on I mean even on even on the singles that came out beforehand, like they're big fucking songs and they sound great as they are, but um they could have popped a bit more. Um it's a weird one. I feel like Greg's got further and further away from the mic on every record cuz you could really hear the the kind of the the break in his voice on on the impossible past and rented world in particular um and i think there was so much going on in terms of how full the band sounded on after the party that you didn't really notice it but it does feel like greg is just getting a little bit further away in the mix as time goes on it might just be instrumental in a couple of records maybe that's how they change it really weird man really weird decision to to make um but yeah I, i i like it's not quite the pouring Gatorade over each other and whooping and hollering about how great <laughs> the men singers are yeah. that you usually get out of us. And yet, it's still really good. It'll still be in my top 20 records of the year. Absolutely. Um, like, so bizarre. Yeah. To, it's a really, it's a weird set of circumstances. Maybe a band can be this good for this long. And like, I don't want to get into the position that I think mastodon and gojira sometimes get put into where they're so consistently brilliant people almost don't praise a record when it comes out for for how good it is because you're used to how good they are i think that's the case with both magma and uh, emperor of sand which are both fucking phenomenal world-class records that people are a bit certainly in the case of magma people can be a bit sneery about and it's like how um, and I don't, I don't want to get into that same bracket with the Menzingers. Yeah, well, I think, weirdly, to compare this to Magma, they are both less intense, less fiery uh, records than what had come before. Um, mm. Not in necessarily in an overly negative way. They're just sounding different. I, to go back to this record is kind of the ageing of it. I think that's kind of the great thing where, you know, it is... Like I said, it, it doesn't have those um, same moments of, like... not You know, not that... The Menzing has ever sounded like full of hell, but like telling lies <laughs> and stuff on, on after the party is yeah. like sounds like a fucking you can imagine a punk crowd going off for it, um, and you don't quite get as many moments like that on this. Um, but the brilliance of it is it kind of the Menzingers feel like they're a band who are kind of capturing the experience of aging, and not in like a oh they're just getting old and boring way, like more in that you know obviously they are a band so rooted in kind of life experiences and storytelling about what they're going through all mm. that kind of thing um and that kind of real time uh you know the maturing of those kind of stories and ideas and it, it feels like it's a it's a record that feels more world weary than some of their previous records which i think is a it's an interesting characteristic for it to have you know when you think of stuff like um you know farewell youth is an amazing song i can't stop drinking as, as that kind of like sad bar song that really feels like you know he's he's down in the dumps on shit like that um and uh, in regards to singles and like hits on it there are like you know obviously we've spoken about anna in america you're freaking me out 
four, both of which are fucking outstanding. I really, really love Strangers Forever. I think that, you know, yeah. Greg's, uh, you know, that's one of the moments where it does pop in terms of Greg delivering that chorus is <clears throat> so, so good. Um, I love, uh, they have a real knack for brilliantly simple um, but hummable melodies like both in vocally and in terms of guitars and stuff you know high school friend the guitar line on that song is yeah. really really simple but it just gets stuck in your head you know i think tom is really great when on the songs that he sings he's really good at a particular kind of percussive melody where if you look at like last to know he just drills it into your head in a really great way um obviously greg is outstanding on on what he does yeah like i really really enjoy basically every single song on this album like it is yeah a really really fucking excellent record um and it might not be their best record but it is i think that they are a band who are continuing to um develop and grow in ways that still suits their sound and still you know this is a band who still are drawing on things that i don't normally like very much and they're leaning more and more into that side as it goes on and i'm still interested yeah like i i feel like as well with um like you said i think i like every pretty much every single song on this record i can't quite articulate my kind of um lack of not lack of enthusiasm because I, maybe it's also because i've had it for a lot longer than we usually have stuff that we review and the initial kind of like mm. ah is gone um but but yeah i live with this record and i fucking love it it just didn't hit me in quite the same way i will say um strain your memory though is probably the best gaslight anthem song since the 59 sound came out like they've kind of been <laughs> close to that anyway but that song completely evokes that record and probably not on purpose or whatever but I, I love that as a kind of um throwback to that lineage of americana punk bands and you mentioned london drugs already but i think that's oh, uh, oh so uh, yeah aside from the singles that was it going to take to fi fix me up um i don't want your long london just catchy drugs. as anything isn't it yeah that that yeah. that hook has just sunk it sunk its claws in so hard like that is the one on this record that i'm obsessed with that was kind of yeah. the, my feeling of it. you know i was saying we've all said about how um, some of our latest listens of this has just been like, yeah, this is really, really fucking great after maybe an initial like, yeah, fine. Um, my two listens of it today after being like, yeah, it's quite good, I realised that I know every single chorus of it just instinctively already. Um, yeah. Like, it, they haven't, you know, past the singles, they're not choruses that immediately stand up and slap you and force you to pay attention in the way Lookers does or whatever, but they are ones that kind of worm their way in and you... I'm sure there will be a lot of people who listen to this and be like, yeah, it's the men's thing, it's good. And then a few listens in, they'll realise that they know every word. Yeah, agreed. Like, really great band continues to be really great, essentially. Uh, the Men's Zingers, Hello Exile is out now. Be interesting to see when it comes to album of the year time, how we talk about it again. Mm. Um, yeah, bizarre, really weird feeling. Okay, next album. Give me a D. Give me an Arkness. The Darkness are back with a new album called Easter is Cancelled with some of the most weird and wonderful artwork you will ever see. That's how I felt after listening to that Neil Morse Jesus Christ the Exorcist <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah, Easter is cancelled <laughs> forever. Um, we are putting this album in because we didn't review the last Darkness album and everyone went off at me so here we are new darkness record um god his vocals are mental on this uh <laughs> like, that was my this this feels weirder than the darkness yeah like, the darkness are no strangers to uh, the, the, one of my 
favourite... I mean, I love the darkness anyway. But um, one of my favourite interview clips I ever saw with Justin, um, he was talking about, um, like, them always being asked, like, is this serious or what? on permission to land and his answer was mm. was brilliant it was like have you ever read queen lyrics he's like they're an abs- <laughs> absolute laughathon like and he does like queen just a little he? um like we like we can have fun with this and still be serious about our music um but when you consider how off the wall his vocals are there's times on this album where he goes off the deep end <laughs> so much i think i think it's um i think it's in another life on this or no it's not i think it's the title track on this where he goes at yeah it is the title track easter is cancelled he goes a little bit king diamond things i did not expect to be talking about that's my favorite oh track there we go this. like um, like the, de- the defense like, rests yeah, uh, in terms of being like, it's the most like kind of, in terms of being like a big riffy rock song with a bit of kick and speed to it, it feels the most like classic darkness, but it's also got the fucking weird shit he's in there. Like, I've never really been a darkness fan, I have to Boo. say. Like, like, I think they're fine. They're all right. There's a, there's a couple tracks on Permission to Land that I quite <laughs> like. Like, I really like, I really like, um, Get your hands off of my woman. It's good That's of you. That's the one that I go. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite good. Um, but like, I've never been in love with it, and I've certainly not kept up to date with what the darkness are doing. Mm. You know, it feels like that might be the case for quite a lot of people. Um, and there, are, this record took me off guard in terms of not how much I liked it because I think it's fine, really. Like, I don't think it's a particularly great record. Um, but in terms of having those weird little extra bits in it where I was like, hey, what, what are you doing here? Like, all of the weird shit they throw in there with the, you know, the, the Easter is cancelled. The way the first song starts off with this fucking, like, Middle Eastern kind of... Like, it feels like they're attempting an epic in terms of, like, crescendo and differing passages. And it's more eclectic than I would expect The Darkness to be. I like them um, having fun with the rock is dead argument that's around all the time because it really feels like they are taking the piss in that regard like the first song is called rock and roll deserves to die and the last song on this record we are the guitar men like um <laughs> like kind of painting the darkness out to be like like the last bastions of being a rock band on planet earth is very amusing um but there is some absolute nonsense on this record heavy metal lover is like See? it's funny though like i'll give them that right tenacious d and steel panther not always funny when the darkness are trying their hand at it on heavy metal lover genuinely laugh out loud uh, laugh out loud hilarious i think yeah yeah like the darkness um, even though I'm not a fan, like I prefer Steel Panther musically in terms of like you know like Feel the Steel versus Permission to Land, I would take Feel the Steel. But I find the darkness to be much funnier because it's less you know ha tits, and it's more of kind of they've got a slightly kind of Monty Python tongue. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Where like yeah like 
fucking what is it one way ticket to hell and back so good. is one of my favorite titles <laughs> just it's brilliant um and yeah like <laughs> heavy metal lover when he comes in with the come on baby sit next to me listen to a little obituary it feels like he's serenading me almost <laughs> it's slightly kind of like it takes me a little off guard like he fuck, what's the line where he says your favorite power, power ballad is chopped in half I should have yeah. had that for last week's yeah. question. Yeah, there you go. I did say to you, don't, don't yeah. say Hammer Smashed Face. Great minds. I know, I fucking should have said Chopped in Half, which is a banger. Um, I love the idea of Justin Hawkins listening to Obituary as well. But like, yeah, like Heavy Metal Lover made me laugh. Deck Chair made me laugh for this kind of like mournful, melodramatic ballad that is so like fucking OTT and like, you know, fucking like blowing in the wind of sadness about literally the wind blowing his deck chair away um <laughs> like there there were more bits on this that made me laugh than there were things i actually thought were particularly good on a musical level which was basically just the title track um but it made me laugh live till i die is a funny title because yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah quite. <laughs> ryan be very quiet on all things darkness yeah, I have, because um, you started ripping on Perrin for not really liking the darkness, and I actively dislike the darkness. Yeah, but that's um, no surprise, man. Like, oh, fair. The, the guy in the flannel <laughs> shirt and be- the guy, the guy in the flannel shirt and beanie doesn't like the darkness. Not a headline. Him, I expect more from him <laughs> on on a band like this. <laughs> yeah, well, um, sorry to disappoint, but yeah, like it's always you know that the silliness of it is always kind of just put me off yeah. like regardless of how serious it is or whatever the darkness are a silly band from day one like yeah. that christmas video was when i went oh allow it like i did not want anything to do <laughs> <laughs> with, with that um but like you both said like this record is funny like <laughs> like the entire the, the entire thing is a concept record about being a musician in 2019 and comparing it to the trials of christ like <laughs> that's funny <laughs> like conceptually this is a lot funnier than steel panther yeah. fucking heavy metal heavy metal lover when it actually goes into that fucking like th- this is the thing it's not even about like the lyrics on that which are good that let's let's make sweet love to hammer smash face line is brilliant but um just the contrast between everything and when it actually turns into a fucking like full-on metal song yeah is one of the stupidest most south park things i've ever heard but it's <laughs> Yeah, genuinely more hurt. Well, it feels like it's just constantly moment. veering back and forth between between ballad and thrash metal. It's yeah, so the, wild. The demonic voices as well in that kind of Satan bit. So good. That that's what I mean. It, it's so like South Park parody, but like it's a good parody. That's the difference between this and Steel Panther, I guess. Um, the rest of the record, like, it's so mean to tease me with really cool guitar parts and then veer off into bizarre nonsense as soon as one gets going like that 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 was how i felt about this record every time there was something um like how can i lose your love is one of them the the weird slow parts on that do my fucking head in but there's a minute of that song that is fucking perfect rock and roll like it's so i mean i hate hair metal wailing at the best of times like i'm not gonna (laughs) do you know i mean i'm not gonna dig justin's vocal um but my God, does he like actively feel like he's needling me on this? But I don't really mind it because it makes me laugh in enough places. Like I expected to not like this more than I did. I also didn't expect it to be as stupid as it was, and I've come out liking it more somehow. Yeah, 
I like Live Till I Die. I think it's really good. I think the problem with the darkness has always been consistency. Um, I like One Way Ticket uh, way more than the average person does. Like, that's one of those ones that's considered, like, a, the, to answer uh, one of the questions from the question section this week. Like, One Way Ticket, I would get them to uh, maybe release better singles. Um crazy to me that um is it just me wasn't the lead single from that album absolutely mad decision um and yet uh the last darkness record was really good pinewood studios was really great and seeing them tour that record as well um like uh out here was one of the best darkness uh shows that i've seen i didn't really like last of our kind and yet hot cakes was pretty bloody good as well um they're just a bit up and down um and i think this one is not one of their finest efforts but is still like when you consider it like in the context of this show and the kind of records that we listen to and all the rest of it like i will take this over a lot of the albums that are kind of like yeah this is all right at least this is unique distinct funny like yeah. and intentionally so it feels like this is a band having fun and it's very easy to have fun with them even if this isn't the best collection of songs that they've put their name on yeah i don't think really think it's very good but he calls the wind a blusterous swine and that's about <laughs> as much as I, I i need to go fair enough perfectly pointed out why this is as funny as it is all right the darkness's new album <laughs> easter is cancelled is out now if you want to laugh go for it uh final album this week comes from gate creeper uh this is a band we've had our eye on for quite some time uh this is their second album after 2016's sonoran deprivation and um all right, my feelings about this record are quite easy and fast to sum up. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly unique about Gate Creeper on this record. Um, I don't think anything is particularly remarkable about it, and yet I still enjoy it quite a lot because it is um, ignorant heaviness. Uh, it's it's very meat and potatoes for what it is where you consider all of the interesting stuff on that's uh, around in the world of like metallic tinged hardcore i think gate creeper are one of the more bland choices creatively um and yet they're really fucking good at it so i don't mind that at all i kind of feel how i felt about not, I don't like them quite as much as I like King Nine, but in that same sort of vein of this is pretty meat and potatoes, but my God, they're good at it. That's kind of how I feel yeah, about this um, record. Gate Creeper, less of a hardcore band, really, and more of a, a hardcore tinged death metal band in terms of like, they are very much part of the old school death metal revival that's kind of happened over the past few years. And like they are really really good caveman death metal like they are not as distinct and and forward thinking as bands like two mold or blood incantation or in their own fucked up way piss grave um they are like they are very much a band for hey 
Do you like Entombed? Do you like Bolt Thrower? Here you go. Mm. Here's some of that. Um, and the thing that that means is, A, they do do it really, really well. And B, they're easier to get Way than those easier. bands. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like Two Mold and Blood Incantation are fucking incredible bands. And both of them are big for the kind of bands that they are. They've got loads of acclaim and fucking success and everything. Um, but Gatekeeper, you can put on... And like two mold takes a bit of unpacking, like with the time changes and everything. Like there's, uh, that's death metal for people who really want to get into the kind of the guts of what is going on within those songs, even if they are riff based first and foremost. Um, Gatekeeper are instantaneously accessible if you like this kind of heaviness. Um, they are really really good at big fuck off lumbering riffs that's got the buzzsaw of entombed the um you know the, the i think on this record in particular more than the first one they lean a lot more into that bolt thrower asphyxy slightly paradise losty um like doominess there's a lot of really mid-paced to slower material on this where i really i feel like if gate creeper weren't called gate creeper they'd be called something like knuckle dragger because that's just how this mm. kind of <laughs> sounds like from the first riff on this album it's just lumbering like and it comes in with a, a lead that's maybe a little bit kind of something that Greg McIntosh would write for Valenfire. Like, there's a lot of real um, doomy menace on this. And I think that they've slightly pushed that sound like this because there's a track on this called From the Ashes, which has got this real stomp and swing on it. But you get these melodic flourishes and there's a kind of a melodic doom break about three minutes in that's got a surprising kind of strength of um, like the melody there and the kind of the slightly darker more somber tone um you know it's almost like you could take that same melody and put it in a completely different context and a monomath could have it like there's bits of that style uh death metal in here but with way more of that you know just fucking cavernous caveman shit going on and they do it really really well that's why i think gatekeeper have gotten the kind of the um the, the bit of a push that they've had over the past few years and you know they've their links to the hardcore scene mean that they've done shit like played with ghost main and, and they tour with full of hell and all kind of these kind of bands um in a way that means that you know they are kind of crossing those yeah. boundaries to a degree but like musically and it's really really easy to get on both sides of that kind of side of it like if you like the swing and kind of like there are kind of moshier parts on this that uh, will appeal to you if you like hardcore especially considering i think in 2019 the boundaries between hardcore and death metal have been um they are closer together than maybe any other time in the genre's history in terms of there are loads of hardcore bands who integrate fuckloads of death metal like, you know, it's all over the knocked loose album and that's one of the oh. biggest hardcore records of, of recent years um you get bands like venom prison in the world of death death metal who have taken hardcore and fused it into death metal sound in a way that feels fresh and different to kind of conventional deathcore the two kind of scenes are a lot lot um they, they rub shoulders a lot more than perhaps they have in the past and i think gatekeeper are a really good example of a band who do something very simple very very well and appeal to both sides i think you haven't got to throw the ball as far as two mold and blood incantation either um like those are two bands that are complex and like it takes a while for their sure records. yeah like even when you put them next to venom prison or skeletal remains like those bands next to this again just sound 
way more interesting. And I feel, I feel like I'm doing down on this when I don't mean to be. Like, I, I, I think that this is really high quality at what it is. Um, but it's hard to stand out, truly, when you've got an album that doesn't offer much, if anything, that feels like I haven't heard before elsewhere ad infinitum. Sure, uh, but I, I really like what Gabe Yeah, me too. Me like, too, this is it. Like, <laughs> the, I don't, I don't like... mean it to be, to sound down, because, like, this is fine. Will I go back and listen to it much? Don't think I will. But in terms of reviewing a record, I think it's fine. I think it's very, very good. I, I think the difference is those bands, like, you know, Venom Prisoner are a fucking insane band in terms of what they do creatively, like, especially on this new mm-hmm. record. There are so much going on within those songs. The difference between gatekeeper and bands like venom prison or tomb or whoever is those bands write songs i think you know gatekeeper have said this about their songwriting process those bands write songs with a fuckload of riffs all kind of piling in one on top of each other and transitioning out of crazy ways and everything um gatekeeper tend to write three or four really solid catchy riffs and put them in a in a quite fluid way where like gatekeeper they're not trying to be like the most interesting fresh like creatively maybe they should death metal band I don't Maybe think they should be a bit there, there more is a, creative because that's the thing it is quite restricted like once you've listened to the first 10 minutes of this record you've listened to the whole entirety of this record I think there's a place for a death metal band who just want to make you fucking just bang your head and nothing else that's fine like they have stretched kind of a different aspect of their sound to a degree if you listen to this immediately after the first record there is a lot more in terms of melody and doom and that bolt thrower touch to it i think there's a bit of like celtic frost usurper and ruthless when it goes in the verses um they are a band who like you know this isn't going to be in my end of year list but i think there is absolutely a place for a band who do what gatekeeper do in the modern death metal scene ryan I mean, I I liked it more than I like any of, of the other bands that were referenced just now, like in terms of when it comes to Two Mile and stuff like that. I had a lot more fun with this. Yeah. I think it's because the kind of the mean swagger on this record is just so persistent and so, you know, it, it's big and dumb and fun. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so kind of eight foot wrestler music in places. When it when it when it um when it really like the the way the record opens the opening riff is just so stupidly brooding, you know like and all over this I like that kind of constant bludgeon. Um, forty minutes of it is probably a bit more than I ever need. I'll be honest, like especially like you said, it gets quite repetitive and you kind of you know what's coming by the second half of the record. Um, but I definitely agree that this is more accessible and probably just easier to just chuck on and go this is an enjoyable listen than any of the other kind of any of the bands that you mentioned just now yeah i think maybe it's like listening to this music for nearly 25 years do you know what i mean you get to you get you just get to a stage where you're like yeah fine next about this stuff like you've heard it done to death so many times and there's nothing about it that excels do you know what I mean? The varying degrees of it's fine, it's meat and potatoes here between the three of us is quite telling to me. 
And I guess I think it's good in meat and potatoes. I think it's better than fine. I think they've got much catchier, more well-written, hookier riffs than a lot of bands yeah. that do what they do. I'd have Judiciary over this. I'd have like loads of those kind of bands over over this. Well, that's more hardcore. This is like pure like Swedish death metal with a I bit of stomp in there. I don't hear that as much. I must say. Uh, I think that that, that stuff like, has a bit more puncture wounds are so but yeah I agreed but even then like look at Entomb's uh, links to hardcore look at how much how much hardcore has Entombed uh, in it for sure but when, we're, when we talk death metal I always think more technically minded than this because there's, there's there's I there's, think this is just you liking more technical maybe death so, metal but even still like this is pure caveman death metal yeah. and as someone like who caveman death metal has been a fucking part of death metal's history since obituary turned up in that yeah see i don't think they're very and good either this so is, this is, there we go well obituary <laughs> one of the greatest death metal bands ever and this is there fucking go. good shit um it's carly ray jepson all over again <laughs> no i just think it's boring uh, and life's too short for all right music there's so much good stuff out there find something more interesting like obituary my favorite power ballad is dropped in half <laughs> right so there we go gate creeper second record is out now go check it out it is called uh deserted so album club to close us off this week comes from afi's crash love celebrating its 10th anniversary this week want to go in with quite a big statement um considering that there is so much um drama in AFI's music, there is so much um, enigmatic flair to AFI's music over the years. And I say that I think Crash Love is probably the most dramatic AFI album of their entire catalogue. Would you agree? Yeah, someone... So, AFI are a band too. I love the sound of, but I've never been like the maddest fan of in terms of having favourite records or whatever. But in terms of AFI being AFI, this record is that start to fit. Like it is both sides of the um, of the coin in terms of still having loads of life and energy to it. But the melodrama factor on this, like you say, is so turned up to 11. Fucking, um, okay, I feel better. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so fucking moody. That is, like so goth and moody. That is the song on this record, I think. Uh, Perrin, you in the grants? Yeah, yeah there's, there's a few. Um, yeah, like I think you know something like "Sing the Sorrow" is a more dynamic record, and I think that if you're t- t- like talking drama, there are bits on that that uh, have more scope in them that kind of allows for that kind of thing. But in terms of just like pure AFI being, you know, especially on this record, kind of you know, glammy goth punks with so much kind of flair and, and femininity, like yeah, this is. It's fair to say punk left town entirely on this record as well, right? Like this, 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 this like yeah, this, pre- pretty much. December Underground to a certain extent, but this record, like n- virtually nothing in that way. Just big. No, just kind of a bit of an upbeat, big, over the top, flamboyant songwriting. Yeah, yeah weird, sure. weirdly though, I think this is probably the record I like most after the punk records though, because I'm fully like a um, Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes and Black Sails are like the ones that I will stick on if I'm going to listen to AFI. And then I think this might be third now. Hmm. Perrin, take on that. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't have it sing, over Sing the Sorrow. 
and uh, I wouldn't have it over the art of drowning either um, which are two like as a one-two pair of records that is one of the most perfect deliveries of kind of two records in tandem that you can imagine um, but I do I would maybe have this top half of the discography out of like you know their ten records um, uh, and there's a certain you know, I'm sure we're going to touch on this because you earlier called it you know one of the most underrated or like unfairly blind, yeah. criticized or whatever yeah like people seem to have a specific ire for this record like even people who um, really like AFI will go, but yeah, Crash Love isn't good. Um, and I have never understood it. I've never understood why Crash Love is the record that gets... All- I don't even think it's my least favourite of, like, this century. Like, I'd probably have it over December Underground. Um, yeah, like, I've never quite got the, ah, oh, fuck Crash Love mentality, because if you like AFI, and if you if you are down with AFI, especially on fucking December Underground... Why wouldn't you be down? Yeah, with I did an interview with um, them for Scuzz uh, just before Burials came out. So Crash Love was the most recent album at that point in time, mm. and um, Davey said something that always uh, stu- stuck with me when he was saying about um, if I was picking the set list, like it would only be songs from the from like this new record and the last couple of albums. Um, it felt as though the, the the only thing that I can come up with, and again, I'm trying to put myself in the mentality of these people because this is treated in AFI's catalogue, kind of how St. Anger is treated in Metallica's, which, I mean, it's, mm. it's wild to me as a concept. But the only thing that I can come up with is that people felt somewhat betrayed on their AFI uh, for, from an image perspective it, um, it, it was a lot more grown up I saw them do a show out here when I was on holiday they played as part of some K-Rock thing that was after, like kind of in the middle of, I think it was almost Acoustic Christmas and it was like in the middle of studio time for Crash Love they'd been gone for a little while and Davey was in this big long sleeve button up shirt, looked very moz Um, and even then I I wondered if that was a a hint at where they were going and I think that people kind of took Sing the Sorrow people first started um, despite it being their most successful record and an absolute masterpiece um it felt like a lot of the punks were starting to sneer about AFI at that point in time. December Underground, still, it, its its singles are still big, bombastic, distorted rock songs. But Crash Love might have been a moment where people who were long-term fans of AFI felt actively betrayed. That is the only thing that I can point at because the songwriting is fucking brilliant and if you want your bands to evolve and when you've got a band with so much creativity within its walls you only have to look at what they do outside of this extremist black audio like the the projects outside of this are all very eclectic when you have that much ability within your ranks you're going to get records that experiment and this is this and burials are perhaps the two most experimental AFI records? Yeah, so I didn't actually 
I didn't know that Crash Love was seen quite like that. Granted, my AFI filter is mostly tinted by you, <laughs> who, you, you know, you, you have a very different AFI filter to pretty much everyone. Um, but yeah, like I can't, I can't hear why there'd be a beef. Like I don't see why this would be a big surprise after December Underground or after Sing the Sorrow. If if they went straight from Black Sails to this, I get it. Yeah, you know. But with all of the steps in between, I, I don't know. Like it didn't. I think December Underground in particular. Like, yeah. If you like Love Like Winter and stuff like that on December Underground, I don't understand getting upset over Crash Love. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Love Like Winter is fucking brilliant, and I can see. Yeah, but it's a great song. Do you not think that when you listen to how um, how rock orientated that is? The, the the big stuff on Crash Love, like Beautiful Thieves and those uh, and Medicate and the songs that were put out on mass. Do you do you not think that yeah. they're a bit more restrained than that? They're a bit more Medicaid's delicate. Mate, I'm not fucking saying it's not. I'm saying sonically. <laughs> sonically. No, but I mean like that like that song's got like that song's got kick, that song's got a wicked fucking solo in it. You That's think a rock that, song. that is as you would put that in the same bracket as Love Like Winter? I'd put it in a similar area to a lot and of and some, not no, necessarily no, no, in terms specifically, of like we're talking about Love Like Winter, Summer Shudder, like Miss Murder, the songs that went big. You'd put that in the sonically in the same ballpark. I don't think it's a million miles away. I don't think it's so far away that you get upset about it. I'm not saying they sound the same, but I don't understand being into December Underground and thinking this is oh, shit. God no, but uh, what I'm saying is the leap from one to one to one. So from Sing the Sorrow to those moments on December Underground yeah. to Medicate, like I can see if you are a certain type of AFI fan and you want them to live in your back pocket and you want them to uh, to stay a certain way, I can understand to an extent, no matter how wrong they are, uh, I can understand <laughs> to a certain extent getting to where they got to on Crash Love, even Medicate, and kind of going, this has gone too far away from quote unquote my AFI. Yeah, I, I can understand someone listening to Too Shy to Scream and going, what the fuck is this? They're wrong again, but like, I can, like, like Medicate in particular feels like one of the more rock based songs, I think. But um, yeah, like. I, th- I think the jump in terms of like because I know people fucking hate Miss Murder as well like, I know people who love AFI and think Miss Murder is the worst song AFI have ever released um, and like those kind of people for sure would up- get upset about Too Shy to Scream and, and Veronica Sawyer Smokes and stuff like that mm. but again yeah. like I don't understand being on board with most of December Underground and thinking this is that far yeah, see, I, I, I think mood wise this is Sorry, I was just going to say, I think mood-wise, this this record's really delicate. And I think there was more kind of defiance in AFI's kind of... Especially in the singles, there was always bounce and fire in them. And on this record, it's more showy than it is defiant. It feels more melodic than it does aggressive, like, through the entire record. And I don't know, man, I think at this point in their career, certainly, they were so fucking good at that that I just don't see why you'd mind. You know, mm. like I, I do totally see, I do totally hear the difference. Um, 
but between between them and especially with just how lush a lot of this is you know i just maybe that's not what people wanted yeah i see i, I even as someone that uh listens to afi through the most purple tinted glasses there it's possible to <laughs> i think the only part of one of their records that i would say i'm not really on board with is i think the second half of december underground is lacking somewhat um which is why i always was a bit miffed by being all right with December Underground and not being okay with Crash Love. On Miss Murder, um, to take your point on Miss Murder, I feel like it's really bizarre that a band as interesting and varied and uh, just plain great are known for, like, Miss Murder is one of their biggest songs. It's really weird. It's really weird that something so simplistic as sounds sounds a little mm. bit Green Day, uh, like Miss Murder, is like a signature AFI song. I can understand being a bit like, but of all of this incredible, varied, interesting bodies of work, why is Miss Murder always the song that they'll like play last and everyone will go oh, nuts yeah, like, for? Like, I, I, I can understand that being a point of contention. But also, on the flip side, the song fucking rocks. Yeah, like, Miss Murder is a terrible representative of AFI yeah. as a band. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a fucking great. Like, it, it, it's big because <laughs> it's fucking big. Like, it's a hit single, yeah. like it or not. So let's get into this actual record itself. Um, I think that as someone that would put Davy Havoc on the podium of my favourite singers ever, um, this album is so based around his vocal, which is perhaps why it's the most enigmatic, flamboyant record in AFI's yeah. discography. That this feels like AFI are always a united front creatively, but this feels like a Davy record, um, as much as anything else. In fact, this and uh, to to a certain extent, Burials because it's got so much eighties on it. Um, but in particular, Crash Love feels like a very Davy Havoc heavy record. Yeah, when I when I think of Davy Havoc's voice and kind of the the little enunciations and vocal ticks and stuff he has that are like so key to what he does the thing that popped into my head is the first thing he does on this album the little kind of opening um yeah like the opening O in in torch (laughs) song is like that that sound is davy havoc Mm. that song as well very reflective of what i was saying about the drama as well the you my dear oh my dear it's so it's so flamboyant definitely and like but it's fucking brilliant obviously like like the way the riff comes in after Davy is kind of like ushering it in like the riff that comes in is so beautiful it's so melodic it's so um i can't imagine pressing play on this record being greeted by that and being like nah same <laughs> yeah I, like Fine. you mentioned the 80s thing as as well on about burials and there's a lot of 80s on this record too like especially after we did um disintegration so recently listening to something like end transmission so many of those tones on that yeah. are so authentically cure you know um co- cold hands too it like comes comes back around again quite a lot 
And I fucking love when they veer into that territory. Like, I think they're so good at it. And I think they do that. Um... End transmission is amazing. Yeah. Like, the the lead work on that is so fucking, like, blissful goth. It's brilliant. Yeah, and it just sounds so fucking authentic as well. You know, like, it yeah. feels authentically influenced by it rather than so many of the bands that kind of are doing that these days that feel almost like they're rewriting stuff from the 80s. Do you know what I mean? It felt mm. like a... On this, it feels like a, a flavour to what they do rather than we're going to do this now. And I really like that when it comes into play. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that y- you've... Um, uh, what I really don't understand is uh, when it comes to people being so down on this record is the use of melody on this album, particularly vocally, mm. is right out of the top tier. Um, Beautiful Thieves is yeah. is wonderful and the the who will run for cover who will run from us break is just pff, unbelievable the fucking choir in the chorus yep yeah I, I, again Madness. like the the goth is still there in that regards that it's yeah. so elfman those big like ahs oh, uh in the background of that the yeah. the standout for me is okay i feel better now i love when davy takes center stage like in those kind of moments morning star on the art of drowning like those real like a single spotlight on the man let him do his thing and cr- yeah. like let he's let he's in a crooner out and the the sheer weight of feeling and emotion and build in that song and the 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 vocal ability and the believability in those how can I breathe moments are just it's everything I love about this band and music in general like to be able to spread your wings so far and to be so over the top and eccentric but still be a hundred percent genuine and a hundred percent believable in those moments. Like it is the natural character of someone who is better than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, like Too Shy to Scream is one of the best like pop songs this band have ever written. Like the chorus is so fucking brilliantly yeah. pop. Um but that song is mental in terms of like the fucking like swing drums open yeah. the claps and everything. There's like a like a fucking insane showmanship there from like an instrumental perspective that like you know when I think of those type of drums in a rock song, I think of this and I think of Crazy Equals Genius by Panic at the Disco, <laughs> which is completely off its nut. And the fact that <laughs> like that song um, on the on the AFI record, it, like again, it, it's so convincing. It is completely AFI. It doesn't feel out of place in the record at all. But it is them doing something that they hadn't really done before or since, for that matter. And I think that um, when you think of the particularly flashy flavour that this record has in their discography, there's stuff like that all over it. Like you know, the flash, flash, car crash, yep. cheerleaders, uh, kind of backing vocals in. I am trying very hard to be here. It's just uh, this record's so much fun. The drums on "Too Shy to Scream" to me um, was AFI showing my chemical my chemical romance is House of Wolves. How you do it? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a tough call in terms of those two songs. Um, 
Might go House of Wolves. It's on the Black Parade. Fuck it. But like, yeah, Two Shots Scream is brilliant. I'd have it over this murder in terms of a AFI pop song. And this murder's wicked. Um, yeah, like inter what i was saying about you know this record being afi doing afi you mentioned okay i feel better and just that chorus melody into those distant lead guitars in the bridge into that chorus coming back in and just hitting and hitting and hitting it i could listen to them do that for hours like sincerely it is one of just the best sounds is afi being afi and fucking davy havoc being davy havoc mm. like yeah, the, like the use of drama and melody together all over this is so good. Like there are so many melodies on this that are just drawn out a couple of seconds. You know, like that he'll hang on a word a little bit longer than would usually be sung or whatever, and it just adds this like r- real kind of like fluid flair to what to what Davy does all over this. Um, it's so it's funny that you mentioned my chemical romance because. While, like, you know, when we did Free Cheers, um, we spoke about how fucking unprecedented that was as a sort of frontman performance. I don't think this is a million miles behind, man. Like, I, I really don't think the gulf between Mike M at their peak and um, AFI at their peak is that massive. Certainly not as massive it, as the gulf. It in... is, but it ain't the same peak that we're talking about. <laughs> this right. is AFI <laughs> not at their peak, and that is my... No, 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 no. No, 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 t- totally. Like, I don't necessarily mean this as AFI's peak either, but I just mean when those two bands do their thing, yeah. um, I don't think that the gap is anywhere near as big as the gap in fan base was. Yeah, yeah, you know? I hear you. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, that's more my thing of it, is that in a world where My Chemical Romance became so fucking massive, yeah. how did AFI not get at least nearly as massive? You know? Yeah, I, I, think they're, I think they're more interesting and outlandish than Mike M's and that really says uh, something like their career arc is yeah. why Why I hold AFI I mean there's a million reasons why I hold AFI in the esteem that I do <laughs> but the the biggest reason that I hold AFI in the the esteem that they do uh, that I do is because they are true artists and what I mean by that is a true artist writes for themselves and writes honestly about where they are at that point in time and AFI's career trajectory and where they have gone to in their musical journey has always been reflective of who they are as people. It would be weird if they were writing, I want to get a mohawk, but mum won't let me get one. That'd be well too offspring to be men of their age and to be still writing songs <laughs> like that. AFI are a band that have grown old, uh, older, <laughs> that have gone on their journey and always felt right for where they are at that point in time and there are so many bands that are so tied to what made them popular um and afi are absolutely not one of those bands they are a band that popularity be damned we were popular at that point in time because people liked where we were we're on our journey if people are with us great and if they're not we're still on this journey honestly anyway and that's fine by me yeah and there are some some bands who do that and kind of you know you go okay fair enough but i will stick to the old stuff afi i know you know we said that some people don't like crash love and some people checked out after fucking out of drowning whatever um but i like i know you share this as well obviously like where they've gone is so cool and so interesting where like the blood album i think might be in my top three afi records i love that album to pieces yeah, and and I love burials as well. This 
Um, they have they're a band I still deeply care about and wanna like I wanna hear the next record really like as soon as it comes out. Yeah, and um, and the the beauty of it is you genuinely don't know where they're going to go next at this point in time. Crash Love, Burials, and the Blood album are all different to one another. And what's going to come next? There is yeah. no... You, I don't even think you can make an educated guess. And when you trust a band as much as... Like, I think I'm right in saying we all trust AFI. But when you trust a band as much as I trust AFI, where they go musically, to me, is absolutely incidental. The quality will be sky high, and uh, there is—I don't have a preference, you know. I don't—I don't ever want them to look backwards at their back catalogue and return to a sound like some bands who were so clearly great at one thing and less good at others. I'm happy for AFI to go wherever their their musical journey takes them because I um, can rely on the quality being that great. Look, I hope you suffer, right? That that song dropping and being unlike anything they'd done up to that point in time, that song being released online and watching the absolute chaos of people piling on for how great it was afterwards. And it was like, yeah, not only is this great, this is great and it's absolutely nothing like anything they've ever done before. And that you c- That was the first AFI song I heard. <laughs> and it completely yeah. like it, it I didn't like it the first time I heard it because like I had no context for anything else. I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, I don't really get this. But then, you know, Burials is one of my absolute favourites. Yeah, and, and uh, I hope you suffer being used as uh, wrestler Jimmy Havoc's theme music as well. Like being in a crowd of that sort of yeah. that sort in, in that sort of environment, and the way that song starts is, you know, the. A, a band can write a song that's nothing like what they usually do and it can cross cultural boundaries like that as well translating to a wrestling crowd is oh how many great things are there about this great band essentially <laughs> quite a lot of great things it's true yeah and Crush Love is yeah. fucking great one of like, those great things if you've yeah like if you wrote it off at the time and maybe you haven't revisited it since give it a bash it's like it's probably a lot better than you remember if you really kind of um put it in you know perspective of afi not being the band they were 10 years beforehand um because the quality of songwriting is just so fucking good and it is such a fun listen it's such a grand listen it's such a uh you know a record that is so full of afi's own characteristics and personality it's unreal yeah I think, uh, so there you go do give it a listen let us know what you think at not metal pod if you didn't like it at the time go back and listen to it if you don't like it if you genuinely don't like it let us know why we'll open a discussion on the focus group because i'm always keen to hear what it is because some things i can go well yes and anger they didn't turn the snare drum on and there's some que- there's some <laughs> questionable choices with the editing and things like that while i think it's a much better record than people give it credit for i can understand why it is treated the way it's treated this record i cannot understand it at all so help me out everybody at not metal pod and join us in the that's not metal focus group we will see you next week for much more from that's not metal uh, make sure you're subscribed enjoy the seriously that's not metal 
uh, special that's up now. That's not metal.net. Join us for £5 a month or £25 a year. And we will be back next week when there is a new baby metal record to be discussed amongst other things. We'll see you there. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.